Welcome to the British American Football Coaches Association podcast, a resource designed to support both British football coaches and coaches from around the world. This podcast features special guests discussing techniques, scheme, philosophies and culture for the sport of American football to help develop and grow the game worldwide. Now here's your host, Adam Lillis. Hello and welcome to the Bafka Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Adam Lillis. We are back after a brief break from producing shows uh, due to the COVID and teams returning back to practices. We have some great guests lined up for you all to listen to, uh, but we would love to still hear from you, uh, from potential guests that would like to be on the show, especially coaches from the UK and Europe. So please do hit me up if you'd like to be on the show. Today's guest is Aidan Durd, a British coach. He's currently the outside linebackers coach at the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, but before we listen to Coach Durd, I'd just like to express gratitude to all the listeners who have listened to the show so far. We've had thousands of listeners um, over the course of the episodes. Please do share this podcast with your coaching colleague, uh, colleagues. Encourage them to subscribe and reach out about being part of the show. Uh, now let's listen to Coach Durd and his experiences of coaching in Europe and in the NFL. Hello and welcome to the Backer Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Adam Lillis. Today I'm joined by the outside linebackers coach of the Atlanta Falcons and overall friend of Bafka, Coach Aidan Durd. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you doing, Adam? I'm doing very well. How are you holding up? Are you in the UK at the moment? Yeah, I'm in the UK at the moment. I'm just about to fly back to Atlanta. Appreciate you having me on, mate. Oh, brilliant. It's always good to have um, British coaches on here that understand what our level of game is over here. Um, we're going to be talking about a whole range of things today, but before we get into that, why don't we, for those that don't know who you are, give us a bit of background into how you got into football, your playing career, and uh, how you progressed into coaching now, ended up in the NFL. Okay. Um, started playing here in the UK. Um, joined a, like a, like a team in, it was in West London in Hayes. It was like a flag team. And then when that team... I was probably, I don't know, I think I was like 15. And when that team broke up, we moved down to Finsbury Park and joined the guys that were training with the London Capitals. That team never really got off the ground, but we were just practicing. And then we all went up to um, the London Olympians. And I think they were called the London O's then. I'm not not 100% sure. Um, But then from there, I kind of started actually playing started playing tackle football when I was, I think our first season was at like 17, 18. Um, played one year of tackle football at youth level for the Olympians. Had a blast, loved that. It was like nine aside, nine man ball, great football. And then um, then went up to the senior team. Played, a, played for the seniors for like, like six years, I think on and off. And then from there, got to a chance to play in NFL Europe. Played some in NFL Europe, got to be on two practice squads in the NFL. And then from there, um, that was kind of my football career playing. So I had a blast doing that. I had a lot of lucky opportunities that came my way and got to learn a lot of football through there. Kind of. And then I thought like I was never really ready to play in the NFL. Like I didn't, like I found NFL Europe that I could play there. And I felt when I got to the NFL, I thought, I just didn't understand 
the scheme and the level well enough to play at that speed. Like, uh, like I wasn't athletically super gifted, so like my mind had to be really fast when I was playing. And I think I was ready to play at that level when I finished playing, so I was too old. So really, I understand it. So I was kind of like, not out of my depth, but just really learning on the run at that level. And then, um, then it took, a, took some time out of football, but coached at the London Warriors. I was a linebacker coach down there. Um, ended up becoming the defensive coordinator there. And I was working outside of football for a few years and then wanted to get into like pro-level coaching. Um, and then I got an opportunity to be an intern for the Dallas Cowboys. Done that for two years. Then um, a guy that I worked for in Dallas ended up moving to Atlanta. Got me an opportunity to meet the head coach and the GM at Atlanta. Got an opportunity there. Interned there for two years. And then they offered me a job at the Falcons as a defensive assistant. Now I'm going into my third year coaching at the Falcons. Fantastic. And there's a lot to pick apart there. And we get some players from uh, the UK listening in as well. So, I mean, other than the obvious talent and athleticism difference between, say, back of football to the NFL, what are some of the things that players may not realise um, in terms of making that jump in terms of you know, the knowledge and uh, the coaching styles that you're receiving and things like that that they should be aware of if they have aspirations to go up there? Well, you mean jump from Baffer to the NFL or Baffer to like college football? Sorry, I didn't get the question. I mean, either, but you made the jump from Baffer to the NFL. Oh, yeah, but I played NFL Europe for like five years. So like <laughs> I had kind of a, like that was kind of my college football, you know, like I played there, started off as a backup, ended up starting, like played a lot of special teams. I, I played at that level for quite a long time and I thought that was a good bridge for me. I think thinking like Baffa to the NFL is a, it's like, a huge jump and um, I think I wouldn't even call it a jump I would be like it's almost a different game and you could say that about uh, at times about NFL and college football you know like um, but I would think the guys that would have the best opportunity like one guy's done it effort but people don't realise he spent like three years on a practice squad which was his kind of college football so, like, I think you need a time to develop over time and get used to the speed. And you need a level of athleticism that is on par with the higher level guys that have athleticism at that level. Like, I think it's very hard to go in coming from there, coming from Baffa and trying to go to that level. I think college football is a much better jump for guys. And, and, and going to watch games like I go and watch the Warriors now, um, there's a lot younger guys playing the game now, I find, like on a, like as a team, the team is a lot younger. So I think like a lot of guys could have the up to play college football. And I think that is the best jump, you know, like being able to go in there, being able to redshirt, develop, and then get on the field. Because I do think that there's athletic guys in there at this level and they just need to learn the game and they need to learn how to play at a different speed, to do it every single day, like that's a big difference. There's a, there's like there's a lot of differences that I think you just have to get used to. 
you know, and, um, and that there's guys, there's always guys that sit outside of that, you know, there's guys that, um, they, they are kind of like, they break that mold and they break that way of thinking, but you can't put your, you can't put like the way to do something on those guys because they're, they're, they're the outliers and, and they, they, they like someone like FA got in, done an amazing job. He's, he plays, he's on a 53 man roster and doing huge things, you know? So like, I, I just think like those outliers to me are different, like their way of doing something is different. So I would go like the college route and try and develop my game and understand my game to play at that level, especially if you've got age on your side. Sure thing. Appreciate that. And uh, moving into to coaching now, obviously this is a coaching podcast. Starting at the beginning, you obviously had some experience uh, playing in NFL Europe and then practice squads in the NFL. When you progressed into coaching, you were back in the UK. Did you have a coaching philosophy to start with as the reasons why you were coaching or is that something that's developed over time and maybe you could describe what that looks like now? Yeah, I think it has developed over time. I think when I first started coaching, it was more to just stay in football, you know, like I was so fresh out of it and I saw the Warriors playing. They reminded me so much of like the guy, like guys I used to play with, like Marvin Allen and and people like that, the, the togetherness that they had at that youth team, that I wanted to be part of that and help out where I could. And I was just turning up when I could and helping out. And I kind of got the, got the coaching bug, you know. And um, I think I didn't really know what I was doing at those times, you know, as a coach. I think it was more getting the guys to play a certain way and practice a certain way and do things a certain way because that's the professional level that I'd learned, you know, like... I don't think at that time I really had a core coaching philosophy. It was more like, and some of those things still stick with me now, but I think it was more like making these kids understand it's all about the process, you know, like, um, but as I, as I went through it, I think like, um, I really enjoy teaching. I really enjoy developing players. And I think that's, that's my core philosophy is like teaching and developing like and trying to trying to maximize someone's potential as much as they put as much as they can you know that's the way i think about coaching is like how can i help that person be the best version of they can, of themselves as a football player and in sometimes they make me a better human but as much, if you can help them be a better human too like um doing that whilst coaching them like to me helps the team get better, especially at the NFL level, because everyone's there for a reason. Sure, thank you. And you obviously went into NFL UK, working with the NFL development program with the overseas players. What are some of the key lessons you learned with that? Because obviously you had a lot of players that may not have had a huge amount of football experience, but were naturally athletic. Uh, and how has that helped mould you as a coach? Yeah, I think it's helped me a lot. I think the Warriors helped me like that as well. You know, like, I think both of those, kind of, I used those skill sets as I learned them and I developed them. Like, and what I mean by that is that in both places, you get people that really don't understand the game. And at times you might have one person, at times you might have five, at times you might have 20, you know, you just like, a, like with the player pathway program, sometimes you're working with two guys, sometimes you're working with, Eight, you know, sometimes at practice at the Warriors there wouldn't be a lot of guys. Sometimes there would be. So 
it was working with what you've got, thinking outside the box, really thinking of making everything related to the game. Absolutely everything you do is related to the game in some capacity. And that's like in drills, um, in like classroom and obviously um, some type of competitive situation most of the time is related to the game, but making sure that really questioning myself and making sure does this relate to the game because can the kid use it because both of those situations the kids don't get enough reps to make themselves prepared for what situation they're going into so like it really helped me develop it really helps me think about the way i explain things the way i teach things from um from basic steps all the way up to like say level Say there was a one to five scale from level one to level five. How do you how do you teach level one point five? How do you teach level two point three? Like you had you have to think of every single step because sometimes people don't tell you what they don't know. You know, so like it's like you almost thinking for them, repetition, going through it over and over again, and those things I think helped me develop as a teacher. Like and I. Um, and a developer really like so I think both of those situations were huge parts of my career and like one other thing about the Warriors that I think really really helped me at an NFL level is like the time I coached the Warriors university football wasn't as big in um, in Baffa like I don't think we had many players on our team that were from you know most of them would come from the youth team i think i had like two or three guys on the defense that played university football and as as time went on we got more but like you got kids from the local area that um and this was and this is i think this is really important to me like we got kids from the local area that had never played the game before and um to keep them around and keep them like falling in love with the sport because you, you obviously saw that they did, but obviously there's a lot of life, outside life um, engagement that distracted them. So you had to tap into something that went past material. And I think at an NFL level, at times you have to tap into something that go past material. And I really think I, I, honed, I, I, I honed that skill at the Warriors because I... I learned to work with kids that they had to pay for their subs. They had to pay for their kit. And at times they didn't understand why they did because Nova Sport really kind of done that to them where they had to out, put out so much money and like getting them to go through that was huge and be more accountable for themselves. And they made me more accountable for myself as well. So like, I think those things really helped me develop as a coach hugely for what was to come, you know? Brilliant. Thanks, Coach. And just to pull back the curtain a little bit for the listeners that might not know what it's like to coach in the NFL. Now that you're coaching in the NFL, and obviously you had some previous experience with, with Dallas as well, how different is it in terms of what you are actually coaching? Because you've been talking a lot about their, you know, the absolute basics and development players from scratch, which is obviously very relevant to what we do in Britain. Are you still doing that in the NFL or is it much more about scheme and game planning and things like that? Um, it's a lot more about scheme and game planning. But I think like like Coach DQ, he's like big on development. 
So like he classes us as developmental staff. So like it is still about developing the young guys, the practice squad guys. Um, so I think it, it, there's a balance between it. And um, I think the biggest difference between like Baffa is a job. Like in Baffa, you're like, it's, it's a passion in Baffa, I think, I think for all of us that coach there. And I think it's a want to do as much as you can, but you do have outside life. It's like, you do go to work on a Monday. Like you do have, like when you're in the NFL, it's your job. And it's, it's, it's the most amazing job. Like I love it, but it takes up a lot of your time. It takes up nearly all, most of your mental space. So I, I think one of the biggest differences are those things. When you say like, what are you coaching? You're coaching somebody's system. And yes, you help develop that system. But there's a lot of information that's given to you that you need to deliver to other people. And you need to just gain a core understanding of what it is, why you're doing it, what's the true concept behind why you're doing it, what situation will you be using it in. Like these, these different pieces of information when you're teaching are critical, to, especially to like the players that you want to develop that already started. You know, that to me, that's the next level is like, how do you teach like starters? What situation? What does this, when, when Ra on my team, my defensive coordinator, Rahimo, he calls a certain play. What does it mean? Like, why is he calling it? And there's meaning behind that. You know, the situation, he's thinking a certain thing's coming. So when those things are called, they can give tips to the players. So like, I think there's development at every level of coaching. It's just, you've got to push yourself to get a really core understanding of what you're teaching, why you're teaching it, and how it is critical to the game. And I think players, that's what they want. You know, like a lot of it is relationship building. I get it. But they want information they can use on the field too. Absolutely. And I'd like to, I'm going to go talk into a bit about your experience uh, coaching in Baffer. But before we do that, you talked about a number of teams there, both British, European and in the NFL um, and you probably worked under a number of coaches as a player and a coach. What are some of the biggest influences that you've had over the years that have now shaped you as a coach in the way that you coach today? That's a good question. Um, I think there's a lot. I think most coaches you take something from, um, positive or negative. Um, like, obviously, there's obvious ones. Like, I had a coach young in my career called probably I'm not sure if anyone will know him, Jeff O'Driscoll, he used to like take us to practice. He would always be there. Like his level of consistency for us as players was huge. Like it taught me about being accountable. It taught me about being there every day and being the same person. Like those things are critical at every level of coaching. I think working under Tony Allen taught me about detail, you know, like understanding how the detail matters in every situation, how to be prepared, how to, how to build a team and make everyone feel accountable for the team. You know, like when you're talking about organizations, I don't think anyone in Europe can overlook that guy. You know, he's done something no one else has done. So like being around him shaped me a lot. Um, and then in pro football, um, I would say like 
one of my position coaches in pro football really helped me. He was an ex-player. He helped me start understanding the game within the game, like how what the piece of paper says. You've got to learn how to do what the piece of paper says because a hook drop is not just a hook drop. It's not just a spot on the field. It's not just a line on a piece of paper. It's a drop, and this is what you have to do. This is how they will attack you. And I started to understand that. I still, I think I understood it. I didn't fully like it. Didn't like stick with me. But as like taking it into my coaching career, it has hugely. Um, players have shaped me too. Right. I talked about Marvin Allen. Martin, he was my like partner growing up, doing all of this stuff with me. Like his want is competing. Like they're huge things. Like a level of competition that you have to bring every single day. You know, like I see that in the NFL, I see the great players, they compete at any given moment. Like if like when they're out there in one-on-ones, one-on-one is like a game, you know, like the way you practice really affects the way you play. You know, we learn that off each other, I think, like pushing ourselves and then talking about stuff. Um, and then I would say um, going into my pro, like when I got into coaching in the NFL, I would say I've taken a lot from a lot of different people been around like Rod Marinelli I took from him like how much effort and grit is important and how do you how do you get people to buy into you you know like and that's like about being authentic and being yourself and having the confidence to be yourself I think like I learned that from him you know like um, Jerome Henderson the guy that got uh, gave me my internship like he his understanding of playing corner and then teaching it with confidence and want and competing again, those things, being around DQ, like at leadership skills, I would push, I, I haven't met anyone with better leadership skills than DQ and an authentic leader, um, someone that cares about people, someone that gives everyone their, he gives everybody time which is amazing because time is like the most valuable commodity at that level. Um, he supports people. He helps them grow. He gives you responsibility. He lets you be innovative with ideas. He listens to them. And if they're right, he uses them, which empowers you. Like being around him has kind of um, shaped me hugely. Like I would say, He's probably one of the biggest influence. Like I think everyone I've mentioned had an influence. Like right now, he's a huge influence on on the way um, I'm developing as a coach. Um, the guy I work with, Jeff Albrecht, detailed. Like will not not let anything go under his nose. You know, when we're looking at the run game, we're watching two years worth of run game. This team's done against under fronts, over fronts, um, five down fronts. We want to see everything. Then we, then we like bring that information all the way down. You know, the, the level of input and time we have to put into that because we have to make it right for the players because then they will believe in the information they're giving, they're getting next time. You know, like Raheem Morris, like huge influence on, you know, like his energy, the way he relates to players. I, like I, I could go on, but like, I'm just trying to walk through my career and talk about different people I've met along the way. But those people, they all bring something different. And I think like being able to listen and observe them has helped me hugely. That's great, Coach. Um, let's, let's flip it to your UK experience a little bit. 
Um, yep. So you coached at the London Warriors, who were also called the London Cobras back in the day, and you were defensive coordinator there. Most of our listeners are going to be British-based coaches, and you were a young coach at the time. What were some of the things that you learned over time being a coordinator, and how did you, or how would you, if you're looking back, approach coordinating a defence from scratch? At Baffer level? Yes, absolutely. I think like a lot of my thing was by trial by error because I was learning a lot along the way, you know, like, um, and kind of discussing it with TA and going through things and learning off him and building my own philosophy. I, I, I think for number one thing is you need to understand your personnel and then you need to understand what are the parameters that you teach them in. So, like, I knew there were certain parts of the year I'd get them one day a week. There were certain parts of the year I'd get them two days a week. What does that two days mean? It means, like, 20 minutes at end, individual, um, once, one Sunday, and then 10 minutes on a Wednesday. Might get seven on seven. If enough people turn up, might get inside run. Might get um, full goal, 11 on 11 might get a walkthrough. You don't know. Like, Baffer is a lot about adapting on the run. I think all of us coaches in Baffer know that. You know, like, you, you never know from day to day what you're going to get. So I think, like, understanding your personnel and the parameters that you coach within. So to me, those two things mean to me, I need to understand what my guys can do, how they learn. Then I need to know that I haven't got a lot of time. So my defense is going to be extremely simple. So what, what do I need for each situation? So what do I need for normal ball, first and second down? What do I need for third down? What do I need for short yardage? What do I need goal line? What do I need for two minute? Can I, some of those calls will cross over. What's my base coverage and what's my base front? You know, like, and I think, then how do I simplify that to the players? Because I think in Baffer at times, like, you got to understand the Warriors, I had a lot of good players. So, like, so my thing was not as much, like, I was doing those things, I think, in the back of my head, but a lot of my thing is how do I keep the guys that turn up that I recognize are really good? Like, a guy turned up one time and he was really good. Like, he never played the game before, but you just saw on our, on our recruitment day that, he had a natural ability to play man-to-man. So, like, out of all the guys that were there that day, I concentrated on that guy. Like, the other coaches could see if they could recruit the other guys, but that guy was the guy I needed to come back because we needed a man corner. That guy turned out to be a guy for us. It was a Sam Obi, and he, like, ended up playing for the Warriors for a long time. I think he played with Great Britain. and done a lot of good things for the Warriors. Like, but like identifying those guys' talents, then how do you keep them coming to practice? Like when FA came, like me and Tony both recognized if this guy doesn't play, he won't come back. He wasn't ready to play, but he just had to play because you can't turn away someone that's 6'6", 6'5", 240 at the time and could run faster than anyone on our front seven. And we could run, you know? So like it's, 
it's those type of things to me that's important because if you can do those things and then in practice you can talk about because you're simple on defense you can talk about running to the football you can you can concentrate on tackling you can concentrate on creating a way of playing like going after the football is a big thing for us at the time like so like all those three things I could concentrate on them on practice because the guys had a fundamental understanding of how to play at the time cover two we developed more into a cover three team as a base coverage by the start it was a base cover two and then we played some man with that you know like like so it was really really simple but I thought they were fundamentally sound that makes brilliant. sense yeah brilliant thanks coach um you're talking about the tackling elements and running to the football and things like that maybe you could expand on that in terms of what you were doing practically at the Warriors that helped that defence become so successful that maybe coaches at other teams could take away was there a way of getting that across to your players yeah, like I said, I thought like one thing we had was really good players. So like don't ever discount the fact that we've got good players. You know, like Errol was naturally a good tackler. Like I don't think I made him a great tackler, he was a good tackler. Like um so like but I think like first of all, like break it down, like people like to go from the point of contact backwards. I like to um separate like the contact and the angles to the football. I think angles to the football are critically important like because it's a leverage based tackling game that's what it is like no matter the worst situation you can be in as a tackler is a head up position and give a run or two way go so like you're always working half a man and you're always working the near hip at most times you know so like just making players understand what that is making players understand that taking the space away with the correct angle limits the choices of the runner so like working on that on a daily basis i think when you get people to run to the football and they stop for, they start forgetting about running to the football because it's just their way of life they start concentrating on their angles to the football and like if you're a zone team you're going to have underneath like we call it kill zone like people call it vice tackling you're gonna have a person to work with even if it's the sideline it's a per it's something to work with so you're always gonna have a leverage to tackle on if you're a man if you're a man team you're gonna be a lot of it's gonna be a lot of bang bang because you're gonna be tight match if you're a match zone team again it's gonna be tight match so but understanding your angles to the football then understanding at the point of contact like nowadays, it's about keeping your head. So like, it's more about wrapping for me. Like it's more about getting, getting this guy, wrapping him up, understanding, can I get chest to chest on him? Can I, when we're talking about a shoulder leverage team, can I put my shoulder and we call it the strike zone from your knee to your shoulder pad? Like, can I be in the correct place? But are my feet still underneath me? I think a lot of people leave their feet early, you know, put their head down early that leads to them missing tackles. So like just going through those things every day or every time you practice, especially like, like I coach the linebackers at the Warriors most of the time. So um, like, but as a group, I thought we tried to teach tackling together. Um, but like just working those things and understanding what you're trying to achieve as a group, understanding the angles that you create and the different coverages you play, 
and just keep going through that on a daily basis, I think makes you a better tackling team. And then every opportunity that you have to tackle, tackle. Because we don't, like the way football is played now, at every level, you try and have less contact till game day, you know? So like every opportunity you do to have, you tackle, you tackle, and then every opportunity you have to finish on the ball, which will give your feet underneath you and make sure you're back close to the ball carrier in right proximity to make the tackle, you get to that position. You can do that in everything. You can do that in a walkthrough. You can do that in seven on seven. You can all run to the football and try and finish. And what to me, right, we talk about running to the football and we always think about the person that's hitting the football. But what running to the football really does as a defense, it erases mistakes. Because if you can get nine, 10, 11 guys to run to the football, if one guy misses, the other guys will clear them up, you know? Absolutely. Thank you. And just to tag on to that answer, how much time did you at the Warriors spend on the other elements of defence like turnovers and block destruction? Was that built in with your tackling or was that a separate thing? Yeah, like, first of all, like, it matters what time of year you're talking about. Like, so, in the off-season, we would try and, like, start from real fundamental stuff, some movement. Like, I think movement's a key thing for players, you know, like just basic movement. A game where you have to make moves in 360 degree areas. So you have to backpedal, you have to break, you have to laterally shuffle, you have to sprint forward, you have to sprint at different angles, you have to change direction. There's not many sports that ask you, that are British, that ask you to do that. So for me, it's like, that's the first part of reprogramming. It's like, we're just going to do movement. And like, we might finish on a ball, like, but we're going to do movement. And then once we can get to a level where that movement is satisfactory, it's fundamentally and looks good, it's okay. When we're not wasting time in our breaks, we're not high. Like those things, once we've done that, then we move on to like, okay, then we start working on some tackling drills, point of contact drills, we'll work some angle drills, we'll work tracking drills, we'll work different things at different times. Like you're always, like you'll come in and one week I might be like, okay, we're going to go tracking. And I'll work on tracking the whole time. Like when I say tracking, I'm saying like, I call it long strides, short strides. So like you, you might call it other things where like you, if the ball carrier is running, you're running to his near hip. The minute he breaks down to shuffle, you go to a short stride where you kind of open your hip, you gain, you keep shuffling, but you're gaining ground on the guy owning your leverage. And then when he runs again, you run again. And it's just understanding getting in and out of your hips like that whilst being at full speed. So, like, those things I would work with them. Um, then ball security drills. I think, I think, like, ball security drills help good tackle. Like, because if you can become a good tackler, then you can become a ball guy. Once you become a ball guy, you're not going to miss tackles a lot of the time because you're going for the ball and you own your leverage and you finish it with your feet underneath you. And, and like, like I'll give you an example. Ariel, the guy that he played linebacker for us in safety, he was a ball guy. And I think that skill, you see it at every level of football. He didn't miss many tackles. He was a great tackler. Like, he was a very, very good tackler at all levels of football. Like, and um, I think seeing, like, I hope that's a good enough explanation. I know I jumped around a bit. I don't want to over, go over it, but... It's just kind of like breaking down tackling into different areas. No, that's perfect, coach. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of coaches that are listening can take away 
just again building on that the, the word that's been perhaps overused or maybe not used enough over the last decade or so is the word culture and from a defensive point of view when you were at the Warriors you, you've spoken about it a bit already but did you use anything um, to help encourage players such as gradings or awards and things like that or was it just very um, straightforward in terms of these are the goals that you've set and you know you expect them to make tackles and certain things etc um, I think I don't see tackling as culture like so um, like I like for me a culture is a way of doing something like a way your organisation is from top to bottom like and like you said it is a word that gets used a lot um, I think like that's another thing I love I thought the Warriors at the time I was there they had I like I say the time I was there because I only know the time I was there like that taught me about culture like we as a group of people we stood for something between us and that was important like no one else might have understood that but I think we stood for something and when we got there on Sunday we believed in it together and but if we made mistakes we were making them for the right reason like we were trying to do something together and I think that showed up in practice I think that showed up in the way that people developed as people and as players. Um, to me, that's what a culture is. Like, I remember when, when uh, like, and I talk about the Warriors because to me, that's British football. Like, so I could go and talk about the Falcons and I'll, talk, I'll go on and talk about the culture we have there. But like, I think it's more relatable when I stay on this level um, because you guys, we have the same amount of time, you know, like, I'll give you one example, like, and you can ask, when you talk to Tony, you can ask him, like, the defense used to give away the crazy amount of penalties when we was in Division 2. You know, like, offsides, just undisciplined, yeah? And personal fouls, like, super undisciplined defense. And when you talk about, like, like, I could, like, I, like obviously, you get on them when they get off the field. Like, they understand they can't do that. But ultimately, it has to be their decision. Like, they have to learn from these because, like, what, that, what, what is special about Baffer is you're developing people for other things, especially young people, you know? Like, so for me, what was cool about that is, like, TA gave us, like, he used to get mad as hell at me, like, but he also gave me, like, the room to, like, get on these guys but also they had to learn what this mistake we had a safety one time he got ejected from the game and it meant that he couldn't play in this in a playoff game and we lost that playoff game and that changed him that changed the way he played the game for a good reason it made him to be calmer and, and think before he done things to me that's culture like being accountable to each other doing things a certain way understanding what you believe in and you're all trying to do it together like and i feel that we have that at the falcons too that's the cool thing about like working for dq dq is all about culture and like i've learned a lot about culture and how to define it i think a lot of times before we were doing it and i didn't really understand what it was it just was who we were you know we were a bunch of 
But I was really young at the world. I was only like, I think when I started coaching, I was only 27. But I was young. So like, I was aggressive. Like, I'd still, I was still playing the game when I first started coaching these kids. So like, some of the things they got penalties for, I would have done, you know, like, so like learning with them and learn, growing with them, like I was just who I was, like Marv was just who he was. The people that coached there were just who they were. And I think the kids resonated to that. And we all believed in the same thing. So like, I think taking that to the Falcons, you realize that that is something. So like Q uses the word brotherhood all the time. Like I believe there is a brotherhood at the Falcons. I think the brotherhood stands in different, different ways for different people, but it's a collective belief that we support each other. And I think like the biggest testament to Q was last year when we, when we were losing, we won in seven and he came back and we won six out of the last eight games. Like the players never wavered for him because they believed in who he was and their account, they looked to themselves when, things were wrong and it, it, it was a, it was a, um, it was a really cool thing to be part of and learn from and learning from DQ about it, like culture. Like I get a better understanding of defining what it is. Brilliant. And just to start wrapping this up, one last question. You're obviously coaching in the NFL now and NFL's, you know, you've got the top athletes in the world and you're game planning week on week. You're doing it 24 seven. What are some of the things you've learned whilst coaching at the NFL from a film perspective, whether it be like practice film, scout film, game film? What are some of the tips or maybe some advice that we could perhaps take back over here in Britain to help us with our game planning and um, development of our team? Number one thing is follow the evidence. So, like, don't, don't make... Like, you'll watch film and you'll kind of grow a thought in your mind because you've seen something. But you need to dive into that and make sure the evidence proves that. So, like, like obviously football, I think I could say, like, put everything into situations, understand what those situations are, like, first and second down, what does first and second down mean? What does third, when does third, when is short yardage in third down? Is it third and one? Is it third and one to two? Is it third and one to three? Like, when is it? Like, like, when what in third and three to six what happens what calls like i could tell you that stuff and i think like you guys have heard that over and over again like putting those isn't like you know how to get a call sheet together um i would say like follow the evidence so when you say okay in this formation this these routes come out of this formation yeah but like look at the run and passes like what what is the percentage of run and pass like is it something like we don't, like I wouldn't tell a player anything if it wasn't 75% or more it happened in the game. So you need to know that, like to say it. So I, I would say like when you're game planning, put it into those, like your situations, work out what your situation buckets are, like how you look at first and second down, how you look at third down, how do you look at two minute, how do you look at red zone, like where do you break the red zone into like red zone, like, I don't know if you guys do this here, but, like, high red and low red, like, um, then what, like, look at those things and then say, okay, what does the evidence show me? And if something shows up on film that teams struggle with, like, you don't need to get, like, you don't need to get, like, um, all innovative. They struggle with it. 
especially in Baffa, because they don't practice enough to cover that up. So, like, if you see something they struggle with, exploit it. You know, and I, and I know it sounds really simple, but simple is the best way. That's perfect. And a lot of times, and it doesn't matter if it's a British coach, American coach, or whoever, sometimes you just need to hear it to be said to just reassure you that you're on the right path and that type of thing. Yeah, I think like I think like with with everyone like I think there's so much information out there. I think you can and like schemes are out there, you can understand them, you can understand how to use them, you can understand how to game plan and break down. I think always think can your players do it? Especially at Baffa level, you know? Like really question yourself like I've done that before like I've I've kind of thought of these ideas that I could do and I've implemented them. And then I just complicate it for the players when I should have just let them play fast and played our base coverage, you know, like, and we would have been fun. Like you try and now coach the coach when it's your players that play, you know, like, and I know people say that and it's cliche, but I feel it's true. Like, and I think there, like there's a time where you do have to like understand what, how like versus zone with how are we gonna play it? How do we teach can I, can my guy do this? You know, like I'm asking, can he make that tackle on that guy? Like like you there are questions you have to ask yourself. That's why I say follow the evidence because you'll know if you work like they got a really good mobile quarterback, he pulls the ball a lot, like and you'll know your end has trouble doing that. Then give that play to someone else. Like find a way that your end can play the dive and someone else can play the quarterback. Like like, there's evidence for everything out there. You need to find it. You need to question each other as coaches. And to me, that's how you game plan. You know, like, you, you come with the evidence, you say, and if you have the time to do that, like, I'm, you know, like, it's very easy for me to forget what it was like about, I'm talking like, on a Monday and Tuesday, we'd be doing this all the time, you know, like, from set six, seven in the morning till. 11 12 at night you know so like but i would i would push each other to like at least share those ideas with each other to say okay does this make sense to you you know like this is my reasoning behind it okay that makes sense now do we think our players can do it can we get it can we get it installed in the time that we're going you know we might not be able to do it okay that's out the window as much as it sounds like a good idea that's brilliant. Some great advice there. I'm going to start wrapping it up because I know you've got meetings and things like that. Um, just want to say a quick thank you for taking the time to talk to us. And, oh, thanks for having me on. And uh, Bay, best of luck for the Atlanta Falcons in 2020. All right, mate. Appreciate that. Thank you to Coach Durd for taking the time to talk to us. Tune in next time for another great BAFCA coaching podcast episode.